This is a message from Grace Church, located in Frisco, Texas, a suburb of Dallas-Fort Worth. Grace Church is affiliated with Sovereign Grace Ministries. The Grace Church website is gracechurchfrisco.org. The speaker for this message is Rob Tombrella, pastor at Grace Church. And if you could take your Bibles and turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. John is the fourth book in the New Testament. Take out your scripture or whatever you use for accessing the Bible and turn in John chapter 8. If you've been with us, we've been in a series uh, called Scent. And, and the idea of Scent is that over and over again in the Gospel of John, John is a person who walked with Jesus, um, knew Jesus well, and wrote an account of his uh, revelation of Jesus Christ. And over and over again in this Gospel, uh, Jesus is the sent one who then sends the Spirit and sends the church into the world um, as an act of grace to spread the gospel and see other people come into the life of the kingdom through him. So that's why we've been in a series uh, called Sent. And today we're going to be in John chapter 8. And I'm going to preach from verses 12 through 30. Now, if you're looking at kind of a modern translation, 753 through 811, you might have the words, the earliest manuscripts do not include 753 through 811. So... Uh, I'm going to read that portion of Scripture. It's encouraging, it's helpful, it's edifying. It's probably, for many reasons that I can't get into here, but happy to talk to you about it afterwards, not something that John included in his Gospel. So, for those reasons, it's edifying and helpful. I'm going to read it, but preach from verses 12 through 30 on. So, uh, let's let's read. I'm going to stop reading in verse 12 and then pray and then and then preach from there. 753, they went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst of them, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Father, will you take this scripture? This word is truth, and you promise that the word, the truth sets us free. There's nothing that we need more today than to be set free. There's nothing that an unbeliever needs more than to be set free. There's nothing a Christian needs more than to be set free. And the only way that we get set free is through your truth. Lord, would you take this truth and, and make it real to us? Help us to believe it. And the only way that we will believe this truth is by your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come. Have your way in us. Speak to us. Open up this 
belief in our hearts. Give us belief. Give us faith in a whole new way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look at verse 12, Jesus says, Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So today's message basically is verse 12. That's what we're going to hang out on is that Jesus says, I'm the light of the whole world. I'm the light that is actually a life-giving light of the world and that the whole world walks in darkness. So all those words are extremely important for the purpose of today's message. It's our outline actually for today's message. Light, follow, darkness. These words are, are kind of where we're going to hang out on and really meditate on and, and sink our, our lives and, and hearts around these words and, and just ask God, what are you saying to us about this? Let's ask the question, first of all, where is Jesus? In verse 20, which we haven't read yet, but I'll read now, it says that Jesus was in the temple in the treasury. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. So the location of Jesus is extremely important to kind of understand better what he's saying. The location is specifically in the temple and in the treasury of the temple. And what's interesting about that location is that helps us understand a little bit more about why he's saying that I'm the light of the world. Because at that location, in the treasury, in the temple, was in very close proximity these huge candelabras that were lit on the first day of the festival. So if you heard last week's message, um, we talked a lot about the festival of booths or the feast of booths, which is the context of this. And you can look that up in chapter 7. When Jesus stands at the last day of this great festival and he says, whoever's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And if you drink, you're going to get life. You're going to get living water and then that water is going to flow out of you. That life is going to flow out of you. And it's really, I'm the fulfillment of all this water ceremony that's happening for the festival of booths. It was a week-long celebration. So you can just kind of imagine, uh, it was a kind of a holy celebration, but a fun celebration. So it's kind of like Jimmy Buffett and uh, Mary Main Street meets Oh Holy Night. So if you can imagine, this this is the kind of context that people are, it's celebrating, it's fun, it's a family thing. People are camping out together and uh, dancing together and singing together. Uh, it's just fun. And they're having a great time. And that's, that's good. So it's okay to have fun uh, as the people of God. And that's what this festival was all about. They started the festival festival by lighting these candelabras. In this huge temple, this is Herod's temple, huge, opulent, awesome, big temple. And they would start the celebration, it was like the national anthem was to light the candelabras. And as soon as the candelabras, these big four light fixtures were lit up, which they had to climb these ladders and light them up, then it was celebration, then let the, let the, uh, the vacation begin, let the holiday begin as soon as that was lit up and there was singing and dancing and celebrating and it's like, yes, holiday break is here, finals are over, um, you know, vacation has begun and, and the celebration starts. So I'm going to actually light a candle here that will serve to um, uh, just remind us of what they, what they were doing. Anytime I have an opportunity to light a candle in church, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to take advantage of this opportunity right here. And light up a candle if it works. Is it working? There we go. Okay. 
So imagine that times 50 times 4. In a, in a society without electricity, and it's, it's up in the top of the temple, and those things get lit. They climb the ladders. They put a bunch of oil in them because so they'll last all week long. They get lit up. Everybody's celebrating. Everybody's rejoicing. Let's, let's party. The party has, has begun. The missionist says there was not a courtyard in Jerusalem that did not reflect the light. So that was... How you knew it was the festival was because this light is beaming from the temple and it's lighting everywhere and that's, that stays lit throughout that whole week among the celebrating and the singing and the dancing. Now some people would look at the light and they would remember Exodus 13. The Lord went before the people of God by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and night. So for some people, I'm sure it was just a religious ceremony. It's just one thing that we do. It's tradition. It's fun. But for other people, it was actually a, or supposed to be a remembrance. That's what the whole festival was about. God is with us. God is present with us. So when they light up the candles, it was a reminder. God is here. God is protecting us. God is providing for us. God's presence is here and he's not going to leave us. God is for his people. And so they light this up and say, yes, God is here. God is with us. And this is why we celebrate here this morning. We are called by God to do things to remember that God is with us. And God is uniquely among his people. This is the, the haunting desire of every world religion. It's for them to be able to say with confidence and with assurance, God is with us. And sadly, they can't say with confidence and assurance that God is with us, that God goes before us. But the people of God, they knew, they remembered the pillar of fire and the cloud that would go before them and even war for them would go to battle for them. If you look at the account when the, the sea was parted and the people of God walked through, at one point the, the cloud starts to mess up the, the enemy. So they, they remember that God's presence manifested itself in, in amazing in amazing ways. This is the context in which Jesus is bringing this teaching in verse 12. He's either in the same day... He's either just taught this at the water ceremony on the last day of the great feast. In that case, the lights would still be on. Or it's the day after or a couple days later when they have blown out the lights and everybody's kind of packing up and going home like everybody's leaving Frisco this morning. So, so the party's over, the celebration's over, or it's ending. Um, at any rate, we recognize that people start to surround Jesus. Now his enemies start to come around him and start to charge him with blasphemy and um, with being a liar and being a lunatic and, and all of these kinds of things. So they're, they're kind of starting to surround him. The sharks are kind of coming in close. And this is the context in which Jesus says, listen up. You, you could have seen the candelabra, whether lit or not lit, close to him, in proximity to him when he's in this treasury. And he says, I'm the light, not just of the city. I am the light of the city, but I'm the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, C.S. Lewis, the, the old philosopher, um, writer helps us to understand that you, you don't play around with a guy that says, I'm the light of the world. 
they didn't play around with him. Either he's a lunatic and he's crazy, which some people believe that about Jesus, or he's lying to them and seeking to deceive people and have people follow him, which there are many people today that do that. Or the other option is he is the light of the world. He actually is the living water that to drink from him provides life, to come to him provides life. So he's either the Lord and he's telling the truth or he's something else. And that's what C.S. Lewis was so helpful with in his writings. Jesus says right here, I'm the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. So just capture that word, darkness. This is really important. I mean, this is the context. Maybe it's completely dark when Jesus gives this teaching and the party's over. And that's, that's never fun. Nobody likes the party to be over. It's cleanup time. It's going home. There's mud all over the roads. <laughs> and he says the world is in darkness now. Darkness. I, I feel like, personally, if I just were to get this... This would be extremely life-changing. I'm asking God to help me to understand. When Jesus says, I'm the light of the world and whoever does not follow me walks in darkness, he's saying this world, this entire world, walks in darkness. The only condition for those in the world that don't walk in darkness is those who follow Jesus. He says the world walks in darkness. All the world religions, darkness. Governments in darkness, education in darkness, lots and lots of things in darkness. John will say later in a, in a letter called First John, it's at the end of the New Testament, he'll say, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That's how he concludes his letter. The entire world lies in the power, that means the influence of the evil one, that, that's Satan, the devil. The whole world lies under the influence and the power of the evil one. He's not saying that the kingdom of God hasn't broken through into that darkness through Jesus Christ, for it has. There's been a decisive victory over that darkness in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Light has come into this darkness. That's what Jesus is saying here. I am this light in this darkness, but the world does lie in the power of the evil one where this light hasn't shined it's so much so that, you know, Paul will write, this was the testimony of the apostles. Paul, the apostle, wrote things that are kind of staggering and, and kind of, uh, you know, if you come from a very conservative background, you'd say that's, that's pretty wild that he would say things like this. But he said, uh, people to escape this darkness must be granted repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. That's 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul says that the world is captured and in the snare of the devil. And this snare is a powerful influence to actually do his will. So people feel like they're free in this darkness and they're doing their desires and they're doing their will and they're doing their dreams and they're living their lives. And Paul says, no, actually, they're, they're under the influence 
of somebody else, something supernatural to do his will. Some, you might ask, well, are, what are, you, are you saying that nothing good comes out of the world? I mean, what about art? What about education? What about business? What about government? I mean, no, you're saying nothing good comes out of the world? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what's, what's written here. Um, we are created in the image of God. All people are created in the image of God. And as image-bearing cre- creations of God, um, the world isn't as dark as it could be. Now, that's the difference between saying the whole world is under darkness and saying the world is as dark as it possibly could be. That's, that's not what's happening. There are beautiful expressions of art in the world coming from people who don't follow Jesus. There are great innovations in education and great displays of, of people in business and leadership. And there are manifestations of, of good things in government and family and friendships. These things are still happening around us, even though the, this world is under another influence. And yet, when we see these things, it comes out marred and twisted and deformed and perverted in some cases. So it's like the image of God just pops out of people, and yet, because they're not following the light, it's, it's, it leads people back into the darkness. And even though they can somehow see the image of God bursting out of folks, it still doesn't lead them out of the darkness in and of itself. Romans 1 puts it this way, although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So you might ask, well, how did we get into this place where everybody's under the snare and and under the influence of darkness? Well, it happened when God created this perfect world in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. It was perfect. It's paradise. It's beautiful and holy. And he puts man into a perfect world. And he says, glorify me, bear my image, shine like stars right here in this garden, cultivate it, expand my glory, have lots of kids, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, glorify me right here, right where you are. You're created in my image. I want you to reflect my, my image to the world. I want you to have dominion over the creatures and, and, and be God-like as you're created in the image of God. And you you might know the story. Adam and Eve fell for the trick and the lies of Satan. Satan comes to them and says, God's holding out on you. God is not good. God is actually holding out on you. And you and I fall for that trick every day. God's holding out on me. I mean, we we ought to because we're actually, he's actually our great-great-grandfather, Adam is. So he fell for the trick, and he incurred the, the, the curse of sin and death in him, and we've fallen for that trick, and we fall for that trick every day, don't we? God must be holding out on me. Maybe you're here today, and you're struggling with that. Is God good in this right now? I'm going through a, a serious challenge, a serious struggle, a serious relational conflict. I'm, I'm going through some financial things that I just, I'm wondering if God is good to me in this? Is God holding out on me in this? God is good. And if you were here today and you're saying, you know, I don't think I believe in God, I just would encourage you that that God does believe in you if you feel like you don't believe in God. And even though it might not make sense in your mind, and I've 
just to have compassion on you. In your mind, it might not make sense, but I would challenge you that in your conscience, it does. That's what it says in Romans 1. Although they knew God, I believe in your conscience, you know God. You struggle to honor Him, to bow down to Him, to submit to Him. You struggle to give thanks to Him, but there's not a human being that in their conscience doesn't know God. That's what Romans 1 teaches us. So when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, he's using language that we would understand. We understand light. We understand darkness. He's using language that children could understand this. We, and, and darkness and light, that's, that's used for physical things. We use that for metaphors, to be in the dark, to be in the light. That's for coming to places of understanding. And we know about darkness, I think, two ways. One is from an exposure to the light. This is primarily how we understand what darkness even is, whether physical or a metaphor for something or spiritual darkness. We know about darkness because of an exposure to the light. Something's happened where the light comes on and now we know what light feels like. Now we know what light looks like. Now we have a contrast in our minds. Now we've got a category that we didn't have before that separates the light from the darkness. Now we've, oh, light. I understand now what darkness was. I didn't understand it before, but now that I've been exposed to the light, I understand what darkness is all about. So when the lights go out at your home and you're watching TV, you don't just keep watching TV. And the lights go out at your house, the electricity's off, the lights are off, now it's gone silent in your house. The few times in my life where it's done that, I mean, it's this huge contrast. And I don't just sit there, like, watching TV as if nothing's happened. No, I stand up and I, I'm like, oh, I gotta go get a flashlight, I gotta get the candles, I gotta get something, because I know now I'm in the dark. I know what light feels like, I know what, it, you know, you, you get, you get it. You reach for the flashlight when you've had an exposure to the light. When you haven't, you don't. And and the knowledge of light leads to an effort to leave the darkness. It's not that you're never in the darkness. It means that your life is characterized by a following the light, a, a, a pursuit out of darkness. Effort, in other words, characterizes your life because... You've been brought, you, you're not in the darkness anymore. You're, you're in the light. You understand. This is a little bit characteristic of the Christian life. This is a little bit of how I think John is describing the Christian life of what characterizes a Christian in First John when he says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. In other words, people who say, I'm a follower of Jesus, Jesus is light to me, don't just settle in and sink into the darkness and pretend like nothing's ever happened to them. No, they've been exposed to the light of the world and they are characterized by pursuing the light of the world. Not that they don't ever stumble and fall and mess up and sin and yell at their kids and cheat on their taxes and Christians do those kinds of things all the time. But we are pursuing Jesus out of this darkness and he's cleaning us, he's helping us, he's healing us because he's our light out of the darkness of sin. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. In other words, we're in relationship with Jesus. And and life from Jesus comes to us in the form of continual forgiveness, continual purity, continual healing, continual, our conscience are continually cleansed from, from sin and from darkness. 
And it's not freedom from sin completely this side of eternity. It will be when Christ returns. But if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In other words, it's not that we don't have sin in our hearts. It's not that the curse is completely gone. It's that the light has burst into our hearts and now life has come from Jesus. And this life from Jesus causes us to follow Jesus out of the darkness again and again, moment by moment in our lives. The other way that we know light is far more dangerous. I mean, no darkness, sorry. The other way we know darkness is far more, more dangerous. And that's from ignorance. You can know a lot about darkness, but you've settled into the darkness. Your, character, your life is not characterized by an effort to leave the darkness because you don't know you're in the dark. That's the essence of ignorance. You don't realize that you're in the dark. Look at verse 13. So the Pharisee said to him, after he gave this teaching, I'm the light of the world. The Pharisee said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. Isn't it great that somebody in the universe knows where they came from and where they're going? Like so often we, we have no idea where, where, we're, where we're going. Jesus says, I'm truth. I know. I know where I came from and where I'm going, but you do not know where I came from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. He means according to the flesh. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I love this part. <laughs> In your law, it's written that the testimony of two people is true. He's, he's quoting Numbers 3530 that says, unless you have two witnesses, you can't put somebody to death. He's, he's, he recognizes their motivations to put him to death in, his, in him saying this. So he says, in your law, it's written that two, the testimony of two people is true. Here you go. I'm the one who bears witness about myself and the father who sent me bears witness about me. You want your two witnesses? There, there you go. You want truth? You want witnesses? Me and the Father. How about that? They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Careful on the inflection here because I'm tempted to, uh, when I read that, I'm tempted to, you know, they're just these really wicked people and now they're just, where is your Father? Now, they could come across as very... uh, pretentious and humble and that's sinful too oh uh, i don't believe you at all but i'm coming at it with where where is where is your father i mean they could come off sounding really religious we're we're pretty good at that right you could come across as sounding really religious but in your heart uh your heart's a totally different place where is your father jesus answered you know neither me nor my father if you knew me you would know my father also what he says is that you are ignorant that you are in the darkness you've got all the outward displays of religion you've got everything around you that points to the fact that you should know god but you don't know god this is extremely dangerous and amazing even here they've got all the trappings of religion they are looked upon as leaders and jesus is saying you don't know the father He's saying, you, because you don't know me, because you don't submit to me, you don't know the Father. I mean, he just throws a bomb into their whole makeup. Beep, beep, beep. 
Their religion is, I mean, what? You're telling me I don't know the Father? Just ask the people around me. They'll tell you. They'll tell you I know God. They, they'll tell you I know everything about God. I know all the scriptures. I know all the stuff. I know the, all the religious ceremonies. I know everything that there is to know about God. Just ask me. I'll give you a seminar about God. I'll give you a seminar, Jesus, about the Father. And Jesus says, you're in ignorance. You don't even know that you're in the dark. And that's the danger of ignorance. You don't want out of the darkness because you think that you see okay. It's the child that's kind of walking along the precipice of the cliff that's just dancing around and happy in, in, in his or her thoughts because they don't know that they're in danger. It's the person eating the hot dog in Enron Stadium, working at Enron, and somebody saying, you know, I don't think that this company is good. And you're like, are you kidding me? I'm eating the hot dog in Enron Stadium. It's, it's just ignorance. You don't know that you're in the, you're in the dark, in other words. You're in the dark. That's what ignorance means. You think you see okay because everything around you is light. Jesus said, be very careful of this in Matthew 6, 23. If the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness, Jesus said. If the light in you, in other words, what you're clinging to, the truth that you think you're holding on to, that you think that that's light, if that's darkness, that darkness is great, Jesus says. John says in 1 John 2 that he who hates his brother, in other words, a non-Christian, somebody who's not following Jesus, is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. It couldn't get more clear. The ignorant says, I'm wise, but somebody who has had exposure to the light says, no, you're foolish. The ignorant that are in the darkness say, I'm free. That's how people view life outside of Christ. I'm free. I get to do everything I want. I get to do whatever I want. I get to sleep around. I get to cheat. I get to steal. And I'm free. My conscience is free. My life is free. And people who have been brought into the life and have been able to escape that can look back and say, I was there once. And I understand that you are not free. You're actually a slave. But you're in the dark. You're, you're ignorant. You don't recognize the fact that you're in the dark. The ignorant says, I'm happy. Don't, don't leave me alone. I'm just... Please stop talking to me about following Jesus. That looks so miserable to me. But somebody who follows Jesus can look at the ignorant and say, no, you are not happy. Not truly, because life is only found in Jesus Christ. So Jesus says pretty strong words here. He says, if you don't have a relationship with me, you don't have a relationship with the Father. In a, a, a relationship with God comes through a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus is so happy to enter into a relationship with you through his revelation of himself. He's just giving us tons of revelation in scripture, in nature, all around us, through the church. Just beware of the bite of religion. There's all kinds of spirituality that's, that's floating around in this city. It's, you can just pick it up in the air. I've got a relationship with God. I'm a spiritual person. But when it comes to the revelation of Jesus, they would deny the revelation of Jesus. You cannot have a relationship with God and deny the revelation of Jesus. Just read, just read the scripture. You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you'd know my father also. You, you can't have the father without a relationship with Jesus. Are you saying I can't have a relationship with God without a relationship with Jesus Christ? Yes. 
Yes, yes, I'm saying that. Actually, let me say, I'm, I'm repeating what Jesus is saying here. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Are you saying all the world religions are wrong? Not wrong in all the things that they do in the world, which are oftentimes extremely good and challenging even for Christians. But as far as how sins are forgiven, as far as how the conscience is dealt with, yes, freedom from sins and power for living, they offer no hope because they offer it outside of the light of the world who is Jesus. So just consider, who are the people in your life that are not following Jesus? It shouldn't be too hard to recognize the people in our lives right now. Think, think about your neighbors right now. Are they following Jesus? Are they following the light of the world? Then where are they? Think about them. Think of their names. Think of their faces. Think of their kids. Think of their station in life. Think about the people that you work with. Maybe employees. Maybe you're a boss or supervisor or something like that. Or maybe your boss. Maybe the people above you. Or maybe it's the field that you work in. I mean, every, every workplace is a field. It's a harvest field with lots of different networks and lots of different relationships. And God is sovereign over that. He puts us in all kinds of different fields at work, in home, and marketplaces, and all kinds of things. Our networks of relationships are so big and so much bigger and vast than sometimes we, we recognize. So think about that. Who are the people around you? Are they following Jesus or are they not? If they aren't following Jesus, they don't have life because life comes from Jesus. They're actually in the darkness. Man, we need to enter into the compassion of the Holy Spirit for people. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to give us a compassion for the people that walk in darkness. If they don't know the light, they walk in darkness. And we need to let that compassion fuel us to believe that there is hope for anybody. There's hope for whoever. I mean, today, right now, you're in the darkness. There's hope for you. Whether you're an unbeliever, you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as life for life, or you're a believer and you just need life today. Jesus stands for life for you today. He says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me. That means whoever. No matter what you've done, no matter what your past has been, no matter how you've blown it, no matter if you've tried and didn't work out for you before, whoever follows me, that's this repeat of verse 38 or whatever in chapter 7, whoever comes to me, whoever follows me, Jesus says, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the gospel. The gospel is a promise of life with God through Jesus. Jesus declares that he is life to us and he's life to you right now. No matter what's gone on this week or on this day or happening, no matter if your life is crumbling around you, Jesus says, I'm life for you. I offer life to whoever comes to me and drinks whoever. I mean, notice the scripture that we've read already in John, the book of John, 28 times. Just to chapter 8, Jesus has says, I'm life I'm life. He says, whoever believes in me should not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever drinks the water that I will give him will have a well going up to eternal life. Whoever hears my word and believes will have eternal life. Whoever refuses to come to me will not have life. In other words, you come to Jesus, you get life. He says, I'm the bread of 
Life, whoever comes to me will not hunger. He says, whoever looks on the Son and believes should have eternal life. We've looked at all of these scriptures. Over and over again, Jesus says, money doesn't bring life. Clothing doesn't bring life. Friends don't bring life. Success doesn't bring life. Family doesn't bring life. Work doesn't bring life. Awards, plaudits, all these things don't bring life. They're they're not life-giving. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. And that's how we're going to close. How do you get life? If you're an unbeliever, how do you get life? If you're a believer, how do you get life? Look at verse 21. So he said to them, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. I mean, think about it. He's speaking to very religious people who've been very religiously outward holy. And he says, um, I'm, I'm about to go away. The light is about to go out. And then you'll seek me and you're going to die in your sin. Where I'm going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. You see how depraved they are? They're just saying he's going to commit suicide. Ah, He's got a demon. He's going to commit suicide. He said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I've heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. What he means is when I'm on the cross, dying for the sins of the world as a substitute, when I take the wrath of God for the people of God on my body, then you'll know. Then you'll know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Jesus says, the way out of the darkness is to quit denying what I've said. He says it over and over again, very compassionately. I am who I've said I am. And you can keep questioning. You can keep asking. You can keep trying to figure me out. But I will continue to say what I've said all along. I am God. I am God's son. I am not a light in this big, bad world. I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you'll fo- you can follow me straight out of the darkness that you're in of religion and of morality. If you choose not to follow me out of this darkness, you will die in your sins. Jesus is saying very compassionately, very plainly, what's going to happen if you choose not to follow Jesus out of darkness and into life? So we must follow Jesus, follow him to receive life. And maybe you're a follower and maybe you're not a follower. Maybe you're questioning, will people, will I, if I don't follow Jesus, be lost forever? If I don't trust Jesus Christ in this lifetime? Well, look at verse 21. He said to them, I'm going away and you'll seek me. In other words, there's a seeking of Jesus that will not 
results in life. You will seek me. In other words, an unfaithful seeking of Jesus that you will die in your sin. In other words, they might seek him to accuse him. There's lots of people that seek Jesus for all kinds of things that just benefit themselves, but they don't seek him for life. Do you, do you, get, that's, do you get the difference? People seek Jesus sometimes for the way that it benefits them, but not for life, not for forgiveness, not for, not for a new way of living, a new way of being oriented with God. So, so yes, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. If I don't follow Jesus, am I in the darkness? Well, yes. Look at verse 24. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Lots of people last night died in their sins. They died in their sins because they weren't following Jesus out of the darkness. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. And this is true. If you're a non-Christian in here, you're not a follower of Jesus. I believe that God wants you to become a follower of Jesus today. I want to appeal to you that you become a follower of Jesus. Or maybe you have friends and neighbors and and people that you're talking to. You're trying to win them to, to Jesus. What do I do to tell them how to become a Christian? How do I explain to them in such a way that's helpful for them to know how to follow the light? Because sometimes that can be a little bit confusing. What do I do to follow the light. It, it's pretty simple. It's all right here in the text. You need to understand first what Jesus is saying. This is what every Christian has to do every day of the Christian life. You have to understand what Jesus is saying. If you don't understand, you need to get help to understand what is he saying about himself. And I want to encourage you to get, get humble and ask people, if you don't understand what he's saying, by all means, exhaust the resources around you. If you don't understand what Jesus is saying, that's the first step to becoming a Christian. Or that's the first step, if you are a Christian, of, of getting free of a particular sin. Maybe it's the sin of, of ongoing discouragement or the sin of a hyperactive conscience or the sin of a uh, blown conscience where you're, you're not being convicted of sin. You need to understand what Jesus is saying about who he says he is because he's the source of all freedom. From there, you need to believe what Jesus is saying is true. It's not enough to understand. The demons understand. Satan understands. Lots of people in hell understand. It's not enough to understand. You've got to believe that what he says he is, is true. These people in this text don't believe. You need to understand that you can say a lot of things and not believe. You need to believe that what he's saying is true. That's true. So he said, I'm the light of the world. You're saying, I'm on board with that. He is the light of the world. But you're not a Christian yet. Unless you take the next step. You can't just believe that it's true. You've got to believe it's true for you. And you've got to personally turn from following the darkness and start following Jesus by faith alone. Well, do I, do I need to say the sinner's prayer? Yes. Sort of. Yeah, you need to say, I'm a sinner and Jesus is life to me and he's the only source of forgiveness for my sins. And you need to start calling out and praying like a sinner prays. And that's what a Christian is. A Christian prays that prayer all the time, moment by moment, day after day. I mean, it's not some rote, don't, I probably shouldn't use that illustration. It's, probably, it's not this rote thing. It's a relationship with God by faith. It's following Jesus out of the darkness. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is somebody who's, I'm following Jesus out of the darkness. What are you doing today? Following Jesus out of this darkness. Well, what, what darkness? Oh, this darkness and this darkness. Jesus is my light and he's, he's helping me. He's helping me out of this, out of this darkness. And that begins when you first turn from your sin and start to follow Jesus 
by faith alone. Um, let's take a time of prayer. Tim, if you wouldn't mind coming up, and we're just going to reflect on this this truth. It says in verse 30, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. The scary thing about this part right here in this verse is that it's not certain. We'll see this next week. Craig's going to be back next week preaching from 31 on. It's not certain if these people actually become his disciples or if they're just believing in just what he just said, but choosing not to follow him, you know, not going to step three, but just kind of hanging out in the believe spot. But I believe what you're saying is true. I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to turn to you. That represents our culture. That's Frisco. That's our city. Believe. Believe. Believe Jesus Savior, Lord, yeah. Follow Jesus, see everything to you? No. What's everything to you? What's my job, my friends, my popularity? Um, life is here. And you're saying, well, no, life is in Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm life. And folks say, no, I, I don't believe that he's life. I pray that for you, um, you would choose life today. You've been listening to a message from Grace Church. For more information, visit www.gracechurchfrisco.org.